You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show I'm ready You ready for the most <laughs> awkward interview of your life? I highly doubt every, that's the case Everybody watching <laughs> Greetings folks Welcome to The Jason D'Amico Show We have, as always A very special guest on the show And we are here at the Beloved Bean Runner Cafe In Peekskill, New York Thanks so much for letting us use the place this artist has been dubbed by press around the world as a rocket force, paving her own way as a unique face and voice in modern country music. She's been seen by millions on the road and in her two-length nationwide concert television specials. I'm not going to give her name away yet. This much fun and taking over. In four years of international touring, she has shared stages with some of the biggest names in country and rock music, such as Brad Paisley, Keith Urban, Hank Jr., the Almond Betts Band, ZZ Top, and the queen of country herself, Loretta Len. With one of the most exciting live shows in the business, her high energy and dynamic performances have garnered rave reviews from critics worldwide. She's written songs of many of today's top hit writers with her last two singles, Crazy Idea and Let's Don't, and they're climbing the charts. And she's now booking her 2020 tour season. You can expect much more new music coming from her soon. Please welcome, with everybody watching, <laughs> Miss Jessica Lynn. Thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for having me. We're here. We're alive. It is February in New York and like 50 degrees out. I know. Nice. We're so lucky. It's been so nice. I hate the cold. I hate the winter. We usually try to tour on the West Coast um, every... During this time we, of the year, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but we're recording the new music and stuff this year, so we couldn't make it out there. Uh, so well, thanks so treat. much for taking the time to come out, because I know you've been popping it out of the studio, working on logistical, you know, business, day-to-day items. My really pleasure. This is fun. And we got coffee, so... I'm always in if there's you got coffee. Your, your mutated, decaf, <laughs> caffeinated, half and half <laughs> latte thing. <laughs> so beginning stages for you. Um, a lot of this information can be found online, but I'm just going to dig in a little bit deeper to just see where this journey started and where we can kind of find exactly, because your music is clearly multi-genre which is really interesting and let's just talk about how you got started as far as you know the country scene a little bit of r&b in there as well but like how did you start music how did you get into it so i have a musical family uh, my parents are in my yeah. band and uh, so i always grew up with music on in the house and my dad, even though he's a retired New York City street cop, always loved country music. So I grew up listening to George Strait and Glenn Campbell and Phil Vassar and all these great country singer-songwriters, performers. Um, but also, being in New York, country wasn't a thing. When I was a kid, there wasn't even a country music station in New York. So when I You're started... You're a Brooklyn girl, so you yeah. Know. <laughs> so when I started writing and performing... I did rock and roll. 
and I always loved rock and roll. I'm a huge classic rock fan. I love everything. Some of my biggest inspirations growing up were like the Temptations, ACDC, nice. to Neil Diamond, to Phil Vassar. Like the spectrum is very broad, and I think that's why my music sounds different than a lot of other country artists out there, um, which I'm very grateful for. It's a good thing to be different, although that's hard to accept growing up. <laughs> um, so uh, when when I was 13 years old, I started I started in theater when I was a kid. Um, and then when I was 13, I started writing and I formed my own band. And I knew then and there that that's really what I wanted to do with my life. So I started performing everywhere, anywhere that we can. Cafes, nursing homes, children's hospitals, festivals, every nightclub in New York City that would take us under the age of 18. <laughs> um, and yep. so I really cut my teeth in the rock and roll scene. We are very kind of like... I were you guys doing mostly covers at that point? No, it was or? original. So you're writing originals in it. Yeah. Around 13, 14, 15. We're kind of like a girl version of Simple Plan, I guess you could say. Cool. <laughs> I love did you that use stuff. A, did you use like pads and stuff, like electronica? No, or? It, was, it was all um, guitar driven. Okay. Um, we did have a keyboard player, a synth player at one okay. time too. But um, just very pop punk-ish. Uh, right. Bowling for Soup. I was a huge fan of Bowling for Soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as kid bands do or any band it's hard to keep a band together and I was at this point 16 years old and the kids I was even though we were the face of a band I was writing all the music my parents were helping me book all the gigs it was really my project mm -hmm. in every way mm -hmm. um, and the band fell apart that they were just were not as driven as I knew this is what I'm doing like you're either with me or you're not and yep. the band fell apart they were kids you know yeah and um, so I spent the next few years trying desperately. We had some major label interests. We were very close to signing something with Disney when in that band. And when the band fell apart, I was devastated. I thought my whole world had what, ended. When was that on your... Uh... I was about 16. Okay. Um, so heartbroken. I spent the next probably three years trying to desperately put the magic of that band back together different people in and out personalities talent just different levels of talent I mean, right. and it never had the same spark that i had with those kids there was something really special about us chemistry yeah it was chemistry and yeah. i never found it again and um so when i was about 19 or 20 i said you know what I started writing all this country music out of nowhere. Um, actually, when I met Who's My Husband Now, something about meeting him just sparked an album's worth of country music. And I said to my dad, I was like, you know what, I, I want to do country, and I, I want to be a solo artist, I'm going to break up the band. I said, if anyone's ever going to screw this up for me again, I want it to be me. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, all right, let's do it. I was like, all right, let's get in the studio and record like an album. And I have to give credit to him. He said, no, everybody does that. Like, what's going to set you apart by doing that? Why don't we try, like, television? Why don't we film, like, a special for, like, PBS or something? And I was like, who's ever going to air that? Like, no, I don't have a name. I don't, like, who, they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll put your concert on TV. He was like, what do you have to lose? Worst comes to worst, you have live footage of you performing. You have a live album and material. You could shop yourself. So what? Give it a go. Give it a shot. We stringed together the band in 
less than one month's time, had them learn all the music, found the cheapest camera crew that we possibly could afford, a local venue. College interns. And and it went nationwide. Wow. And it started my whole career. We started getting calls from big country festivals, Mm -hmm. like to open for Brad Paisley and like main stage slots. And um, it just blew my mind. Now that was around 2014? That was 2014, yeah. Okay. It hit the air in 2014, and that summer was my very first tour. So let's talk about some of the big names for a second and getting a chance yeah. to rub shoulders and be alongside them opening up or sharing the stage. What what was that like for you? Like being, being on stage with your influences, essentially, yeah. or folks that are just so up high on the food chain yeah you know there's a switch it was incredible i'll never forget one of the first festivals that we played was with brad paisley and we watched his set from right backstage i mean like as far as this what a guitar player i know and what a performer yeah and the stage show they had these um led risers and things like that that were amazing and i just remember standing there and being like is this real is this really happening (laughs) (laughs) i really do i turned i turned to my boyfriend at the time was like who's now my husband was like look what we're doing right now like it really blew my mind then like we're in montana on that same tour we did a big tour with uh it was montgomery gentry lady antebellum i think it was i don't know they were colorado um and chase rice was on that gig and i remember being in my dressing room which was right next to montgomery gentry's dressing room and just seeing the names on the doors next to each other blew my mind. And then this guy in basketball shorts like comes in and kind of leans in the doors like, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you too. <laughs> and then he walked away and someone was like, you know, that was Troy, right? Like from my picture, I was like, it was? <laughs> I just didn't recognize them without like right. their clothes on, they had basketball right. shorts. And so just even that, like they were coming to talk to me it was just so weird um and even zz top like we opened oh for them oh my god like and then it that was at an arena outdoor arena in france and we were just their direct support for that which was incredible i remember getting the news and just running screaming around the house um Man. seeing all their gear on stage and stuff and getting to watch their show from like Ten feet away. It's one of those power trios. It sounds like there's six people know, on stage. You know what I mean? And they're just so cool. Like the they've just are, got that swag. You I, they know? do. Um, it's the beards. Uh, it, it is. It's the beards. <laughs> it's just trying to grow That was cool. Um, and you know, we've done like a lot of very big shows like that for thousands and thousands of people. But for me, two of my most memorable moments were. Um, actually at the same venue which is weird but Phil Vassar I opened for two years ago and he is not like one of the biggest biggest names in country music but he's one of the people that got me into country music like I listened to his record every single day going to school and high school and I was just blown away by his songwriting talent and he uh, called me on stage actually to do a duet with him that night too which I I've never been so nervous in my whole life. Um, that was a pinch me moment as well as this week I opened for Richard Marks. And um, he was my very first concert when I was five or six years old. And I remember watching him from the stands and being like, this is what I want to do. And I waved to him as a little kid and I remembered him seeing me and my little sister in the stands and waving back and wow. like screaming and being so excited. And 
full circle. I, uh, it, it felt. I, I honestly teared up when yeah. I was there because I saw the uh, the Instagram post. Uh, it was. I, it was incredible. And when we were playing, I turned and he's standing there in the wings watching. And for me to see Richard Marks, who I've idolized my entire life, standing there cheering me on in the wings was like one of the most incredible moments of my life, honestly, as a singer-songwriter. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I, I honestly, I mean, it's just like, it's incredible. Thanks. So let's shift gears for a second. Let's go okay. to the writing process for you. Yeah. Let's just talk about it. When you started writing, why you started writing, and if you want to talk about the, the shift with uh, kind of the punk rock background, shifting into the country scene and just writing country songs, if there's much of a difference, how you go about it, or just what is your writing process? Everybody's got one. Um, you know, for me, it was an easy transition just because I always loved it and I was always listening to it anyways. Okay. And for me, I love how country music tells a story. So right. as I got older and I really wanted to tell my stories, you know, my younger music, some of it's very deep, but most of it's fun loving. And, you know, as you experience life and you grow, you want to really tell your stories. So that's why I gravitated towards country there was just something about the way that you could portray your life in that music the sadness the I, it always resonated with me um, and my process is very weird I'm not someone that can sit down and be like I'm gonna write today like you, I you and me both yeah it's terrible I just can't come up with anything good or I force stuff which was never good my best moments ever writing is when I really feel a spark of something so for example I'll be at the gym and the woman next to me will be on the phone and will say something to her friend and I'll be like whoo that's a good line and then my wheels start turning and I'll literally get write the, the entire out. thing in like 20 minutes it comes to me so fast when I get that little Steve, my husband, says it's like a switch. Like he sees it and it and then like don't bother like don't bother her, you know, it just goes. Um and that's really I hear the entire song completed in my head. I don't write it in pieces. A lot of people ask, like, is it music or lyrics first? It's literally at the same exact time. I even hear the drums as I go. Um very similar. Yeah, and same I same way for me. I think that's also why I learned to play so many instruments. Like I, you know, I played. I started classically trained on the piano. Then I taught myself the guitar. Um, I play the drums, harmonica. I used to play the violin. Um, I started on bass actually. So for me, the reason I learned all those instruments too was so that I could have a clear cut vision of what I wanted to to tell people the band when they're playing my music. Now, if I'm not crazy about what the drummer's doing or whatever, I can literally get behind the kit and show him exactly what I want. And that's just invaluable to me. It's like the female version of me. This I know. Is, this is so, this is <laughs> that's just, why we get along so good. <laughs> what, what's your favorite? Because people always ask me this all the time. What's your favorite instrument? You know, and it's like, I never know how to answer I know. that. It's it drives a mood. me crazy. It's a mood thing. It is a mood for thing. For me. Like, there's, for me, there's nothing like sitting at the piano for a sad song and like really feeling uh, that. Uh, uh, and with nobody around. and Yeah, you know, you know, there's something about that. And, you know, when you're rocking out, I want to be on the guitar. Yeah. It's just different. Now, I mean, so I'll ask you this, the Stranded Island question. Because for me, it would be guitar. Yeah. Because guitar, you have a little bit of everything. You can be percussive with it. It's melodic. You can play single notes, double notes, triple, chords, whatever. And 
That's it. I agree. You know what I mean? I agree. So you, you're, it's more you're versatile. Kind of, you're kind of on the same. Yeah. You can definitely sit there and play a sad song or you can rock out with it. And that's what I like so much about the guitar, I think. Before FedEx comes in and <laughs> totally just blows through the window. <laughs> the Master yeah. Shock probably got that. <laughs> that's got to stay in. <laughs> oh, this, uh, we, we don't cut anything. All right, good. Um, all right, so do you, do you find yourself writing more on guitar these days? I do, especially because we're on the road so much. Okay. It's with me. I never have a piano overseas, and we do that for months at a time. So, so. crazy idea, let's don't, not your woman. Those, those kind of like hits for you, most of those were guitar guitar driven all the way now when you wrote them is it when you're hearing everything because i think we're kind of like on the same wavelength with this you already have an idea of the key yeah you already have an idea of like the changes yeah so you, you really don't need an instrument no it's true but it definitely helps like to inspire you of course you know um and those actually um crazy idea came about in a pretty cool way Back in 2016, and I'm such a big believer that everything that happens, happens for a reason at just the right time. You meet every single person at exactly when you're supposed to meet them. And 2016... Even if it doesn't make sense at the time. It's true. It always makes sense later. Always. Even like the worst things in your life. That you seem like you're, yeah. the world is ending, like my record deal and stuff falling apart when I was a kid. I think that if I had gotten that, if the band stayed together... This business, knowing how terrible it is now, I would have been eaten alive. Eaten alive, yeah. As that naive, very sensitive little kid. Yeah. It would have killed me. Yeah. Like, I thank God that that did not happen. Um, so, in 2016, we get a... I had only toured in the States um, and got a cold email from this very sketchy looking thing that looked like I would say like those Nigerian emails that are like I love you go send me five million dollars <laughs> 20 emojis in the subject exactly. <laughs> and have them with question marks because it's like really sketch so long story short it was like come to France we love you blah 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 I was like this is so weird so looked into the signature at the bottom and it was a legitimate company who would have known? Let's give this a go. Yeah. Fly to France for one date that had a bunch of press, TV, radio stuff before it. And fast forward, headline a festival in front of like 13,000 people. No big deal. No idea that they knew me. No idea that they knew my music. No idea people even liked country music there. Wow. And out of that one date, two months spiraled for the, ne for the next year. Because there were buyers there, people word spread, and out of a single show, two whole months came. And weirdly enough, there is a very well-known Belgian producer. Um, he's worked with Andrea Bocelli, uh, like the Catherine Jenkins, who's like oh, the Celine Dion of the UK, pretty much. Right. Um, he had always wanted to dabble in country music. And through a guitar company that I was working with, their international marketer was like, I work with this guy and I think he'd be really interested in doing something with you. Guess where his studio was? 40 minutes from that festival. So take a, one of our days off, took a trip there. We sat down as like a test physically, like chemistry wise, as well as just instrumentally, see if it was a good fit. And that's how Crazy Idea was born. Wow which became my first 
hit single at radio that broke the top 50. Like, it's just how weird everything happened as it was supposed to. And now we do so much overseas. And I, I really credit it to that first festival and trip. Well, let's talk about touring for a second while we're on the subject. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, they, in this industry, they, they can get pretty worn out being on the road. But for you and the band and the, the whole thing, like you guys are a family. The, the vibes are always great, whether it's on stage or off stage. Mm-hmm. Is that a natural thing or is that are you guys really making sure that, that you're keeping each other in check, checking up on on each other? Because, you know, I've done tours that are two weeks long. And you're ready to kick the guy out, you know, of the van. It's, it, you know how it is. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I think part of my success in my career, because as an independent artist, I never had the million dollars to put behind a single that Carrie Underwood has. You know, that's what you're competing with, essentially, uh-huh. which Absolutely. can be very frustrating and very, um, it's just a terrible feeling. You almost fail before you start in a lot of ways when it comes down to the almighty dollar you know in this business I'm a big believer that the reason that I've always been successful is because we worked really hard on our live show and we have a chemistry on stage that a lot of bands don't have because we genuinely love and care about each other everyone not just my family you know when we're up there people feel that happiness that radiates off of us being together um the two guys uh, bob who's my pedal steel player he's 74 years old um Love his yeah he's just such Love a character um he has that old school country feel to my yep. music um and the percussionist matt he was in my high school band cool so they've been with me they were in the very first television special they've been with me since 2012 so you know before we filmed the first special so we're a family i mean we've spent holidays together we do a christmas party every year we travel for months at a time together and we genuinely love each other i mean and the new kid andy we've had him about six months now and he is the perfect fit that we've been waiting for like on the drums Uh, just personally location wise i mean just everything it it just you know it just feels right well everything looked really cohesive at daryl's when i saw you guys i think it was the halloween yeah that's so cool you came and it was uh i just couldn't it was like what hour and a half show two hour show yeah and just number after number after number like just such a tight such a tight set and sound and kind of the the integration of a a little bit of backing track just to add some of that like modern flavor yeah especially for grease you know what i mean it's (laughs) like no we really don't use tracks much i'm a big believer that it's got to be organic. Yeah, it has to be. Especially in these genres that, that we're in. You know, I know. Those rootsy genres. You want it to be real. I mean, we yeah. did. And that was so cool that you came. But we <laughs> did some of the Grease music. So, like, we're doing hand jive and that stuff. And I wanted the horns on there. Well, you the know, Grease, you have the grease to. thing was great. And, and <laughs> this stuff's online. If you guys want to check it out, throw a couple links in the description box. But, uh... When you guys came out, I was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. <laughs> it was, wearing that wig all night was so weird. Normally, I flip my hair around so much, and every time I move it, it would just <laughs> stick. You blonde was interesting. <laughs> it was so weird for me. I tried so hard to, like, lighten up my eyebrows and everything. <laughs> and um, But to go back to your question, you know, we've had people in the band that 
that we've slowly, you know, gotten rid of over the years. And the, the core team has remained. Right, right. Um, but bad attitude. I, I can genuinely say I've never fired anyone for talent. It's always been an attitude thing. Yeah. Um, and it's so important. You're there with these people, s- sleeping next to them, sitting next to them. For, we're going away for five months this year. In the first two days, you know if you're going to kill this person or, or not. And it sucks the fun out of everything. And when you're not having fun anymore and you're not enjoying the people that you're with, it's time to stop doing it. This, is a, this business is a labor of love. And if you don't love it because someone's spoiling it for you, that's not fair for you. That's not fair for the fans. That's not fair for, for anybody, you know? Definitely. So being an independent artist, um, and you and I, again, both like battle buddies with this because it's been a similar road for me for, uh, really, I mean, ever, ever since the beginning, since I started, uh, you know, you just get contracts that come by your way, and it's like, uh, it just doesn't, you know, you get that gut feeling. Like, I don't, I don't know it's how true. this is going to look two to three years from now. It's true, and I've turned down so many, people always ask me, why aren't you signed? And it's like, it's not that the opportunities haven't been there, it's that the right opportunities haven't been there. You know, you, you work so hard to do what you've done. I mean, all my television specials, we've self-financed all of that. You know, we that's my blood, sweat, and tears in these things. I'm just going to sign it all away to you, you know? And so unless they're offering something really incredible or I think they're going to work harder for me than I'm going to work for myself, which is really difficult to do, or at least match my level of intensity and passion, then it's not the right fit for you. You know, it's like your baby that you're just, you know, here you go do what you wish with this like that's what your career is it's your baby and you know you don't you can't just do that with the person that you don't think is the right fit how have you handled the lows when it got really really um there's been a lot of lows you know it's it's funny because this business is you can go dry like have nothing for four months and then the next month Yeah. So I think that that's what keeps me going. When it's rough, you know that it will get better. It's just the nature of the business. Peaks and valleys. Yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of work and sometimes there's not. Sometimes there are great opportunities. Sometimes you get 500 no's and then the one yes is really the only one that you need. You apply to 100 venues within Charlotte, North Carolina. As long as one of them gets back to you, you're good. You know, you you can't let the negativity and the, the... defeat that this business just cultivate uh, cultivates ruin you because that's just how it is it's a creative career not everyone's always going to like you and as long as you accept that you know how to move on when you let it like hurt you and that's when you can't get back up after you're kicked down you know how many and i, I don't want to get too much into the weeds with this but what does your day consist of as far as logistics and business planning versus creative? That has been my biggest challenge. And what has the shift been? Because I'm sure that as you've grown in the career and the, the band and, and your name has grown in following, I mean, you guys are in the studio banging them out right now very quickly, probably because you need to get back to exactly to to the logistics as an independent artist i am the record label 
So. And this is Daydreamer. Yeah. Um, which is my family's production company. So, you know, we... Every graphic you see, every promotion you see, every song you hear, every poster that's put out, every booking that you see, that's all being done by me and my small team. Nice rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes it's very difficult, and I've really struggled f- forcing myself to have the time to be creative. Um, because, for example, this is the phrase I always say, like, you know, when people ask me, well, the band could be stuck in Alabama for three days with nothing to do, or I could sit and write a song. You feel the pressure of that immediate situation, which directs you into doing the business all the time rather than because the song can wait. Technically, it's not good for your artistic side or your soul but technically this is the pressing issue and that's the issue that i've i've come up across over and over and over again that we have so many opportunities that there are holes to fill there is more to do and um but sometimes like it's important and, and that was one of my goals for this year like my 2020 resolutions was things can wait because your music none of that means anything if you don't have the good art to back it up you know and that's a hard thing to kind of learn so in the beginning of this year I spent the whole first even though it was like go time as soon as January hit for us doing all these dates because five months away is like the biggest undertaking we've ever done um I I sat and I song wrote eight hours a day for the first two weeks of 2020 wow and I said you know what it's it's you could see from my fingers (laughs) I've been hitting it hard. Um, You know, I said, this is something I need to do. Two weeks isn't a lifetime. I'll be fine. (laughs) I'll just really hit it hard right when it's done. I think Eddie Vedder, back in the early days, with uh, right when he started with Pearl Jam, maybe it was before, whatever, it doesn't matter, but I remember him in an interview saying that he would go into like a cabin for a week Mm -hmm. with an acoustic and a ukulele and just write. You need that. I honestly, I'm so excited about this new EP and the new singles because I think it's the best music (coughs) that I have ever written. And I think it's because I let myself not be consumed by the stress and the pressure of all of the other situations. And I honestly just let myself feel. Um, And it meant a lot to me. Bob, the uh, pedal steel player, um, he's very frank, you know. (laughs) Um, And he... When I put, I always put the lyrics, the chords, and a work tape in like a Dropbox for the band, and that's how they learn the material. Right. And he called me and said, I just want to tell you, lyrically, these songs are blowing me out of the water, and I think it's the best stuff that we've ever had. Wow. And like that meant a lot to me because I really put my heart and my soul into it. Like this business is so, you always want to fit in. Sadly, like I love ballads. I grew up a huge Barry Manilow fan. Like, you know, I love I think that's where my strength is in writing. But we do all these festivals and these events. And it's like, usually we wind up taking out the the ballads, you know. And so, so many times, I can't tell you over the years, I've sat down and I've started writing a beautiful ballad. I'm like, no, let me just switch gears here. And I said this year, I'm like, you know what? A good song is a good song. And that's it. And I'm not going to let what country radio is playing right now, because a lot of times, too, I'd write something like super rock and roll and blues, and I'd be like, this is never going to get played on the radio. And I would stop. And I said to myself, like, how stupid is that? 
Like you the, just got to go for it, and the, that's and what the, I did. The true artists, I think you'll agree. I think you will. But for me, I always kind of throw out a few of these names because it's like you think of, to me, Prince, The Doors, Chili Peppers. Um, thinking of people like in the rock and country world, Van Halen, Johnny Cash. I mean, there's a bunch of names yeah. here. Um, Etta James. Like they, they just stuck. They they stood their ground and they they held their guns. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they stayed true to who they were. Yeah. Talk is a big one too. Where they 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 said, forget radio. We're gonna go hit the colleges. And we're just going to tour, and we're going to see what happens. And I feel like, in a way, that's kind of what you're doing here. You know, and this this substantiates it, this interview. Because you aren't going with the crowd. It's clear. I mean, one song is country. The next song is kind of R&B. The next song is more rock and roll. and But it's all this amalgamation of you... And that's, I think that's why it's working, is because Thanks. it's still you. Thanks. And it's hard to accept that sometimes, like so many times that I've heard, like, well, I had a big meeting in Nashville, someone that managed a lot of very prominent people. I could probably already see where this is going. I was continue, like, yeah. this was a few years ago. I was like, yeah, like, I'll take you, get rid of your band, they're too old. I'm going to hook you up with some hot shot band down here. Um, played me a bunch of records in his office that sounded like country Kesha, and which is fine. I'm not hating on that, you know, but that's but not it, me. It sounds like it's the same four producers exactly. in and, the same four studios. And it's not me. I would be up there singing that, and I wouldn't feel comfortable. You know, I wouldn't feel genuine yeah. with the audience. And that would, yeah. that's what makes music beautiful is that it's genuine. You see your heart and your soul coming through. And my heart and my soul would never come through on something like that. And I said, thank you, but no, thank you. And so I kicked myself for a while after that, like when I would find struggles and those lows, like, right. oh, should I have just done that? <laughs> but it's like, you know what? I believe in what I do. And obviously, it's working. It's like there's some high up guy in an office that's saying this is what works. But guess what? I'm out there at the festivals and I know that what I'm doing is work. It's working. And you can't tell me that it's not. Yeah. So maybe my road is longer and harder, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to get to the same place that you're going. And I, I really do think that's why I've been successful. I've been me. And I think that's that. I have such a strong gut feeling about this year and about this music because it's genuinely me. And I think that that's really going to resonate with people. One of the things, another similarity, I think, between you and I is you care more about the longevity and the legacy than, like, because for me, instinctually, when I was, because I do all the instruments on my records. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I could have brought people in. Every time I tried bringing people in, the parts weren't played correctly. People weren't showing up. I was losing money. Yeah. It was like the same thing over and over and over again. And it, that, like, I, for bands where it worked, it's like, dude or gal, like, I salute you because for a band to stay together like that and, and fit, in your case, I mean, it's just like, it's very difficult to do. It is. So... You know, coming back to, I guess, where I was starting with that statement, instinctually, I wanted to be able to hold my own ground. And if it was going to take a little bit longer, then fine. 
but yeah. I want it to be, I want to be able to sleep myself at night. Yeah, it's so true. You know? And I think part, you know, it's really important to find people. A lot of people ask me too, like, what do you think was the key to your success? And aside from just being me and sticking to my guns, I think a big part of that recipe is to find people that believe in you. Mm Mm-hmm. When people believe in you, they will go to the ends of the the earth for you. And that's how I feel about my band. You know, like, they really believe in me. Like, it's a lot of pressure on my shoulders to feel that I have all these people looking at me, you know, for answers or for success all the time. Like, you know, you said we're going to the UK. Where are the dates? Like, don't worry. You know, Um, not that they do that. But you know what I mean? Like, they're relying on me. They, They have bet their future on me. And that's a lot of pressure. But it also keeps me going because these people have invested their lives in me, their music, their heart and and their soul in what I do. And that's like a really cool thing. And then that resonates with the fans who then believe in you, too. You know, what's your key to leadership then? Your style for. okay. (laughs) Um, While we're on that. Yeah. um, I am a very tough boss. Very tough. Um, Steve often says that sometimes he leaves rehearsal feeling like the worst musician ever. But then when he s- thinks on it later that day, he knows that it was with love and that it's for the best of the group. And for me, as the leader and as a solo artist who does run a band, it's important for me to have my vision always true. But it's just as important to listen to what other people have to say and take that into consideration because you are a terrible leader if you don't care about what anybody else thinks because guess what if you think it I bet one of those fans is going to think it if you think that I bet someone else is going to there's truth in what everybody says good or bad and then the key to being a good boss is to listen to everything and then do what feels natural to you I've, I've been successful by following my gut and I do that um, but also, I, honestly, I, I demand perfection from, from <laughs> you know, from myself and yep. from everybody. Because when you are out there, it would be great to go into rehearsal and be like, oh, that stop is a little sloppy, but it's okay. We'll get it next time. That's not going to cut it. You're no. up there at a festival and you're opening for Keith Urban. Guess what? His stops are not sloppy. So you have to have that direct focus. And sometimes I know I'm very, very stern. Like, no, do it again do it again do it again but that's what sets you apart that extreme focus and i really feel like it's it's worked for us to have a very polished and professional sounding show you can't you can't be relaxed um but you also as much criticism as you give you also have to give just as much love i mean sometimes after rehearsals i'll send an email out that says this was not good next week we all better come in and XYZ, I send out notes after I re- tape everything and analyze it and send out the notes afterwards. But when we have a great rehearsal, guess what? I also send an email that says, This was fantastic. Matt, I love what you're doing there. Bob, great job today on those solos. You, I think everything's about balance. If you're going to be really tough, you also got to really give a lot of love. Otherwise, yep. you could just beat people down. But I'm the same way with myself. It's not like I'm Probably just hard on, on yourself. Way harder. You know. Um, but it's funny because they don't really see that side because usually I'm just giving the notes to them when I'm taking my internal notes. You know, right. it's not a public thing. Right. Um, but I think that's the key. Treating everybody the same 
nobody's opinion is valued more than anybody else's. Paying everybody the same, I think that's a very important thing. Um, and just having respect for each other is something that keeps you guys together. I was going to bring up pace mm-hmm. and school. Because mm-hmm. that's how we actually... Well, yeah, it was really social media. Yes. But you wrote a post and it had to do with your master's. And at the time, I was still a senior getting my bachelor's in business. And I was like, I don't know who this is, but this this is cool. Like, because then I, then I went through your Instagram and I was like, wow, you know, festivals and but still doing school. And it was like the parallels with my life. And I was... I was out on tour at the time. I think it was 2018. It was just encouraging for me to know that, like, okay, I'm not alone in this. That's so cool. You know? But that's kind of why we're here today was all because of social media and just me throwing that little comment into the into the thread. But I remember that so well, too. <laughs> I remember getting that message. The reason why I bring it up is because you're educated and it goes beyond just musical intelligence, personal intelligence and having good people skills. I, you know, you study, you're a good, you're a good students. And that's like, that's just, it's a rare thing to come by, I think, in this world these days. And uh, I just, I have a lot of respect for you with that. Especially in your field. And if you want to talk about it for a little bit, I'd love to just expand on that for a couple of minutes. You know, I I think my past of having everything kind of break apart on me when I was a kid showed me, again, how everything plays an important part in your story. I never would have went to college if that didn't happen. I would have just said, I'm going for this. Like, it's 16 years old. Like, no, no school. Um, When I saw how you can be on top of the world one day and the next day literally have nothing, that showed me this is how the music business is and I'm going to have a backup plan. Not because I don't believe in myself, but because say you're off the road for five months, what are you going to do? You know, like if there's a dry spell and no work is coming in. So I wanted to always be prepared. And I also always thought any other work that I do can help feed my music career financially. Investment-wise, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I thought, and I'm like, what's something that I love just as much as music um, in a way that I can make a difference with people and connect with people? And I thought teaching. Yeah. Teaching, you're in front of an audience, you have to captivate them, you have to be creative, you have all these, it's an, aud- it's an audience. Absolutely. And um, I decided to do that, and I decided instead of going for music, I was already a professional musician at 15, like I, I didn't want to go study music, so I said, let me do math. I was always good at math, math teachers are always needed, and then I wound up getting my master's in special ed. And... There, I can't tell you the amount of sleepless nights I had where I sat there and I regretted doing that because I thought, man, I, it was hard work getting that degree. I did a master's in five years instead of six, so I did extra classes. I did. I was How like, how many in, credits is that? I don't even remember. I was in the honors college. Like, I'm an extreme book nerd. Um, 
I don't. Sometimes you, you, I don't have you and I both. I just love it. I love studying. Uh, Steven, I love acing Steven a test. Stephen Covey in there and uh, <laughs> uh, Dale I, Carnegie right now. <laughs> it's I, pretty bad. I am such a nerd. I literally would complete almost the entire syllabus like in the first two weeks of the class. Like that's just Ouch. how I I am. Like type A to. Were the you the 10th one, degree. Were you the one that, that found the mistakes in the syllabus and emailed your yes. professor? <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> literally, <laughs> like, literally, it was, <laughs> but it was wrong. And then you're getting grades back that are incorrect or five or ten points off. It's like, yeah, that but. That was me. Um, so I, I can't tell you the amount of sleepless nights I had that I was like, man, maybe if I didn't spend all this time, all these hours, student teaching, studying, maybe I would have been further, you know, music right was now. Was it worth it? Yes. And that is my go. point is that I learned so much, especially from working with kids with special needs about life about never judging a book by its cover. You never know what somebody is going through until you walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah. And I learned stuff about kids just because I had to work with a school psychologist. I had to read papers on them, you know. I learned stuff about kids that you would have never known by looking at them. And it really made me into the person that I always wanted to be. And I don't think I would be the compassionate person that I am today or the tolerant, understanding person that I am if I didn't learn that about people and I think that's also been a big part of my success we treat everybody that comes to the shows as if they're family and a lot of people go to concerts and want to be a part of music because they need something in their life for whatever reason and my background as a teacher showed me that about people and um, I think it's so important so every day I'm grateful that I I made that investment studio now, are you guys tracking at your dad's play? Because your dad's, like, been in the industry for years. Yeah. We yeah. have a home studio. Cool. Um, so we're doing everything there. Awesome. And we really lucked out that our new drummer has a really nice Roland V kit. So we're tracking even Midi. all the drums, right? And we're getting the best sounds in the world. That's it. Um, so and you can change them out. Exactly. So it is coming out so, so, so Cool. Good. I'm really, really excited. It's going to be great. And are you guys doing a full record? No, we're going to do... It's going to be a six... 2020 seven, release. Yep. Okay. A, a five, I'd say a five to seven song uh, EP. EP. The reason I say five to seven is because we have seven songs we're shooting for, but because we're so overwhelmed with everything, we don't want to rush stuff. So if it really does not sound up to par yet, we're just going to leave it off and release it when we get back from the tour. Um, so I'm sh I'm hoping for seven, um, but they're all totally new songs. You guys, um, do you do the whole production from beginning to end? Who Do you have a team of mixers and engineers that kind of get handed the sessions later on? Or how does that, what's your workflow? Um, my dad actually does it all. Um, oh, we send cool. it out for mastering. Cool. Um, and we co-produce everything pretty much. Awesome. But I'm not a techie, so he does all the engineering of everything. And I just sit and say, I want this or that. Yeah. <laughs> I know the basics. Like when yeah. I do my work tapes for the band, for example, I do keyboard drums, guitar, any lead guitar lines that I want specifically on the track, one harmony track and a, a lead vocal. And that's what I send out to the band. So I do know how to do like basic audio stuff, just nothing to create, not like a real record's worth of right. knowledge. You know? 
Well, the, the tracks sound great, and uh, you know, I'm a I'm an audio. When I, your dad and I had a conversation sometime last year on the phone, and we got into that engineering rabbit hole, and I was like, yeah, man, this is like this is my guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he knows a lot. He really does. He studies really hard. He's very interested in in learning things, like as much as he can about a particular subject. So. What's your favorite part of the recording process? My favorite part is hearing the songs come together like I wanted them to in my head. It's also the most dangerous part because if they don't sound like that, I drive everybody crazy to to, ach- get, it, to get it right. Yeah, and w- getting it right doesn't necessarily mean they're doing it wrong. It's just not what I had envisioned. How many songs have you done that you've released? That came out no way that you wanted originally, but it was better than what you originally wanted. Say if that, that makes again? any sense. We've released songs I'm definitely not proud of. Like uh-huh. that they didn't come out at all how Like basically you start going down a road and you thought it was gonna like you thought oh. it was gonna sound like this. Okay. But for whatever reason, there was a little deviation and it took this little turn and it went this way and it was ten times better than you ever would have thought. Um, Does that ever happen with you? I have to say that's never really happened because I'm extremely hands-on. Like I said, I'm super type A. So I'm literally in there every second, like, supervising. Um, With this record, though, I've tried to be a little more laid back because sometimes there are gems in mistakes that happen, too. Well, that's what I was... That was an nail I was trying to. Yeah, and yeah. you know, so what I've been doing as we're recording guitars or whatever on this record, I kind of let them do their thing, and then after, when they feel good about, for example, the rhythm track, I'll come in and listen to it, and then make any changes that I want, because sometimes I would have been maybe so rigid in what I wanted that I wouldn't have let them experiment with that, you know. So I know how I am. So I'm trying to work on that to allow more creativity and things like that to happen. Right, right. Um, and today, actually, they're tracking a song <coughs> that he changed the riff a little bit, and it really sounds awesome. But if I was in there, I'd probably have been like, no, 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 like play the song, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, there's a few things on this record that kind of just happened organically. Um, and I think that's great. Well, yeah, and the, the, I bring it up because I've had that happen a lot of times where I would, I'd be, and I'm still very, like, again, type A, anal, like, you know. Yeah. But there's, there are those gems. Like, my style now is just kind of like, let's just see what happens. Like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. You know? Let's kind of screw it up a little bit. It's important to self-evaluate sometimes. You know, like I said, I know how I am and I had sometimes it's difficult. Yeah, I have to be aware that sometimes I could be a little too rigid. So I purposely am trying to get because it's really it's for the benefit of every you don't know everything. You can never know it everything so when you let other people have a little more control um while still staying true to what you envisioned beautiful things can come of that and i'm learning that as i'm getting older and wiser (laughs) well i'm excited about the new music and uh i think it's gonna be great great it's great that you're as excited as you are about it because that's the main thing is like if you're not excited about it you know 
There's no, there's no point. Who else is going to be excited about it? <laughs> you have to be your biggest champion. That's how I am with songwriting. Like if I actually have a rule, if I write a song or a piece of a song and an hour later I can't sing it back, I throw it in the garbage. Because if I can't remember my own thing, how is anyone else hearing that on the radio or anywhere going to remember that? Let me see if I can find this real quick. I think we'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> so. Same. My phone looks the same. I mean, it's like. Yep. That's how mine looks. It's, it's, it's bad. It's like rock idea one, rock idea two, better rock idea one. <laughs> More intense rock idea too. <laughs> I'm just sitting there like going over scales. What these days it's like Mad Men on Netflix. Yeah, it, that's just the show. You know, I might like my one hour a day where I just kind of zone out, go through scales, and then it's like up, oh, you know, phone, get that 15 second hook. Okay, and like 20 seconds later, it's already better, and it's oh god, now I gotta. You know, yeah. It ne- never ends. Yeah. It never It's true. Ever ends. It's true. But I mean, earworms and hooky thi- that's what's going to make someone draw like a, you a record exec or whatever sits down. They only listen to the first like what 30 seconds of your track. If, that. if you can't hook them. If I can't hook myself, I'm definitely not going to hook you. <laughs> <laughs> that's my rule of thumb always. So you guys are going on tour. Yeah. 2020. Big plans. 5 months. Where are you going? Eleven countries this year. Uh, I'm. You guys gonna be gone for the entire five months? Yes. Wow. We leave May. We start May seventeenth. Do something in the states. May twenty sixth, we fly to France. We fly home from Spain on August twenty sixth, and then we're home for three days. (laughs) We do something in New York. Home for another three days. We do an upstate New York run home for three more days and then we're gone to Halloween so we're not really home. I don't count being home for three days where we're just going to be packing and reorganizing right. gear as really being home you know that's it it's like two three day periods well it's exciting yeah scary a lot of new territory I've yeah. never done something of this severity but it's amazing because it's not even something that I suck out like like you know or went looking for it wasn't like oh i want to go on the road for five months this year the opportunity was just you got to take it there and then obviously we had to do all the hard work and fill in all the holes um but it was amazing to see everyone always asked me what is your goal like i was gonna ask you that next but (laughs) so my sole goal in the music business because i feel like when you set very concrete things for yourself that's when you feel disappointed um yes this it's ever changing you know and so my sole goal is to just be bigger and better than i was the year before and in that way you're never disappointed if you're always growing and moving forward last year we did three months on the road this year became five that's a major success yeah maybe i don't have yet what i always wanted a top 10 single but you know what it's probably coming, you know, like you have to, as long as it's growing, when you see yourself plateau and nothing is happening, that's when you got to reevaluate, say, maybe it's me, maybe it's the music, maybe the show's just not that good right now. You know, there's a million and one things that could be, but as long as you're doing like slow and steady really does win the race. And, um, 
as long as that's what's happening, that's a success. That is a major success. Even if you only went from 10 people in a venue to 20 the next year, that's a success. Maybe you're not doing something on a huge, huge scale, but that's still an achievement that you should be proud of. Um, and that's how I have been going, you know, throughout this. I, You have to feel proud. You have to feel accomplished, even if you're not getting that top 10 single or playing an arena. You know, there there's so many ways to be successful in this business. And you have to remember that. You, you said something that's pretty interesting. I want to hit on it real quick before we start going towards the end, which is that process of flexibility and auditing and self-awareness. Are you doing that more these days than previously as far as, okay, this doesn't feel quite right. Let me adjust. Like, is this a daily thing for you? Yeah, I'm always saying I just have one of those minds that's never, it never stops. Um, I'm not a good sleeper. Because at night I lay down and I think of everything. Um, and usually I wake up and the first thought in my head is something music or business related. Right, right. Um, and I think because I have that analytical mind, that's why I've been constantly changing and always trying to get bigger and better. You never can feel comfortable. Even in a relationship, think about that. Think about music as your relationship. The minute you start to let yourself go, start to feel okay with where you're at, start to not give it the respect, the relationship, the respect that it deserves because you just feel content. Is that really any way to live your life? To just feel content? Like, I'm okay. Who wants to just be okay? You know? I think there's a lot of people that are okay with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you but and I... If you, nah. if you feel that fire in you to always be getting better, to always be evolving into a better version of yourself, even my goal for this year, become a better guitar player than I was last year. I have now three leads, lead solos in the show. For me, that's an achievement. I'm growing it as not just an artist, but as an instrumentalist. Even if nothing else happened that this year, I still have grown. I've still gotten better. And just like in relationship, when you constantly think about that, that's when you succeed. You can never just be okay with the way things are, ever. So things are never okay in your life. <laughs> I mean, I always I want to achieve more. You know, I think, honestly, I think that that fire is what, you know how many talented people there are in this business, how many good-looking guys and girls that can sing, that could play guitar better than I can, that could sing better than I can, uh, that are prettier than I am. You know, like, you you always have to be thinking about what makes you special. Yeah. And that fire, guess what? That prettier girl, she doesn't have the fire that I have. And that's why I'm going to get that festival. You have to always be thinking about that. That edge. Yeah. It, it's what separates the pack. I always, I really believe that. I'm not the best singer in the world, but I sing with a passion because I really believe that this great singer that's doing all these vocal acrobatics doesn't make the audience feel. You have to take those things and you got to run with them and you have to believe. You have and to have that fire. Yeah. And I really think that that's what makes some people successful and that's what makes some people unsuccessful because they just feel, I'm good where I'm at. You can't feel that way. Belief. Faith. What are your thoughts? That's the most important thing. 
Like I said, surrounding yourself with people that believe in you, believing yourself. If you do not believe in yourself, nobody else is going to believe in you. They're not. My band, they believe in me because they see how much I believe in myself. They believe what I say to them. When I say we're going to do this, they know that I'm going to do it. Yeah. Because I believe. Yeah. It is the most important thing. It really is. If you're just kind of like moseying about what you're doing, like, oh, yeah, I think this will be okay. Are you really ever going to achieve anything that way? Again, you have to have that fire. You have to know that what you're doing inside, it's a gut feeling that what you're doing is right, that what you're doing is going to get you where you want to be in life. If you don't really believe that, what are you doing it for? You know, that I really, I have so many inspirational like bracelets. I drink out of a mug every morning that says believe in yourself. It's, it's true. It's the most essential thing ever in any career, anything that you're ever going to do in life. That means you do dishes quite often. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's only one mug, so it's not... <laughs> that or you hand clean, you know? I'm and notorious that... for liking the same things every day. I was going like, to say, because I, I would they're... have like two or three of those puppies. <laughs> Give me a little bit of leeway. Even my clothes, the band, they laugh at me. They call it my uniform. I like... I like what I like, and I do that consistently. <laughs> do you put your clothes out the night before you have an event? Yes. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I'm the same way. It's just like, because you don't want to deal with it the day of. It stresses me out. It stresses you out. I want to think you about. You want to make it as easy as possible. Yep. Why not get it done, you know? Like in the morning, do I have to decide what mug I'm going to drink out of? No, I just know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... The shootout, we're going to do one or two word phrase that you just kind of fire back. Okay. What first thing comes to mind for you? Vocal mic. I love my Lewitt microphone. That's what we filmed my um, TV special with. And I also love my Align 6 wireless. It's a, a, model, a modeling microphone. Cool. Um, those are my two favorite mics to Lewis sing on. Lewitt sent me a dynamic. It's very nice. Yep. They're great very and they're nice. super nice people. Yeah, great people. Electric guitar. I predominantly play D'Angelico and Iconic, uh, two awesome brands that are very different. And um, for me, there's just nothing like playing guitar on stage. Yeah. I feel at home with it. Sound check. Oh, stressful, because most of the time you run into sound guys that have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> That's the first word that comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I've been running sound with uh, a couple of shows down in North Carolina. My buddy, shout out to AR Entertainment, uh, my good friend Drew Ryan, because we were doing the the frat party. A lot of colleges and where I'm from in North, you know, UNC, Duke, NC State. Yeah. So many colleges in that that part of the Triangle area, of North Carolina, and uh, it's it's funny because it's like all these bands are coming up to me like, dude, you're you're so good at sound, like. It's like, yeah, because I'm one of you. Yeah, you know the struggle. Because I know, man. It's, it's like, terrible. I already know you're going to need more vocal when everybody's here. I already know you're going to need more a kick in your monitor when, you know. Yeah. It's like. It's so true. So. The, I've done an entire two-hour concert with no monitor. Like, I've, <laughs> I've been through some stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, that's like a t-shirt. I know. <laughs> like what you know however you want to design it. it's like the front is two hour show and no monitor <laughs> i've been through you know it's so true though 
<laughs> so sound check is not my friend. Yeah. Bass. Bass? Bass. Oh, my dad. That's the first thing I think of. Your dad is a killer bass player. Yeah. He plays a Hofner, man. Like, yeah, yeah. This is so great. Hofner with a, with a pick, like, just so meaty. You know what I mean? He's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think of my dad. Drums. Ooh, drum. I love the drums. Uh, for me, drums are inspirational. Uh, when I hear them, it sparks creativity in me. Cool. I'm a very rhythm-centric person. Acoustic. There's nothing like an acoustic guitar for me. To sit and be creative and just strum an acoustic guitar is just one of the most soothing things for me. Pedal steel. Uh, Bob. Bob. <laughs> I, you know, I really think I'm missing the mark. I should have made some Bob t-shirts, some hats this year. I think I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> that pedal still gets me every time. When it's just tucked in the mix just right, you know? It's just like creeps up on you with that little bend. It's yeah, like, ah! I know. Oh. He is great. But he does not like when Steve has a B, a B bender in oh one of his tellies. Oh and you see every time Steve goes like the meow, Bob just turns like, how dare you <laughs> step in my space. How oh, dare you enter my domain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get back to your double exactly. stops. <laughs> the hell is this? <laughs> He's going to laugh when he sees me. <laughs> Touring. There is nothing like getting out on the road. For me, that's where I live. That's where I feel the most at home. Um, I love singing in the studio, but there is nothing like singing live to me. And that's what makes music special to me when you connect with your fans. You know? Do you feel like your vocal performances are better live? Yes, way better. 100% for me. Same. Because you feel the energy. And your live recordings are great. Thanks. I feel more comfortable live. I think just because I've been doing it for... I started playing in a band when I was 13 years old. Yeah. You know? That's my world, is just live. It feels so much more natural. Yeah. You know? You're not getting stuck. It's like, that's it. Yeah. You made a mistake. You, you gotta... And you realize, too, that that doesn't matter in the grand scheme. In the studio, as I said, I'm extreme perfectionist. I nitpick everything. Like, my vocal performance will literally be perfect and be like, but do you think there's enough emotion on the word the? No one cares. No one, They just want to feel it, you know, when you sing it. And I think that's why I'm also better live, because I don't think so much. I just do it. You have some of those songs where you get a bulk of it in the first take or two. And there's some of them where you got to run phrases. I know. 50, well, at least if you're one of us. Because some people don't produce like this. Yeah. But you and I both think alike. And that type of personality and temperament, it's like there are certain things. I mean, it's it's not right until it's right. Yeah, I agree. And if you got to do 100 takes, you got to do 100 takes. And if you got to comp, you know, five second phrase of the first verse from take 72 and bring in the first take. You know, it's like whatever you do it. whatever has to be done. Yeah, you don't have that pressure live. I think that's why I love it. Studio. Um, I think of fun and just being creative and the excitement of waiting for everybody to hear the new music. Stage. That's where I feel the happiest in life. Writing. That's where I feel the most me. Yeah. Demo. Demos are exciting for me because I think about the work demos that I make for the band and waiting to hear the reaction. Like, are they going to love the first song I sent them this year for the tour is a weird one. 
And it's actually good. it's actually the name of the tour that we're going to announce March 1st called the Lone Rider Tour. And the song is called Lone Rider and it is a weird song. Uh, the band describes it as a Quentin Tarantino film music. I like this already. Um, and I don't know where it came from. I was feeling very moody because as your career grows, I'm sure you understand there's a lot of people that want to take advantage for y- of you and want to be your friend for the wrong reasons. Can't tell you how many best friends I have when I'm opening for Keith Urban. When it was just a Jessica Lynn show, about half of those people you never hear from again. So I wrote a song about that called The Lone Rider. Like, you know, I'm going to still do my thing right away and... Y- you know, I don't need you guys. Gonna take my horse to the Nomska. <laughs> and um, so I, that's the first thing I sent them. And I remember the fear of being like, are they going to think I'm crazy or that all the new music is going to sound like this? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I can't wait for you this to hear it. That sounds cool. That sounds really cool. Piano. That's where I feel the most emotional. Club. As far as like club size. Um, those are some of my favorite shows to play. I mean, we've played shows in front of 20,000 people, and I don't get that high that I feel from having your face right here in front of me and seeing the excitement, you know, in your eyes. That's what I love about smaller venues. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah. Usually. Yes. Unless the subs and the speakers are like right here, and then you just hear the whole time. <laughs> they drink more. Sounds better. <laughs> Arena. Those are the shows that I get the pinch me moments for. Um, the clubs usually have the most fun because of the energy right there with you. But right. um, we've played, like I headlined a big festival in Lithuania this year. That was thousands of people. And um, those are the moments that before I go on and I'm looking at the audience, I feel very proud of myself and my hard work. New York home everybody always says why don't you move to nashville because i'm a new york girl and that's what makes me different and special and i'm never going to lose that country country is so broad these days and although my base is country um my music is everything and i think that country these days can be whatever you want it to be there's rap on country songs there's techno synth on country songs i think that it's really cool that the genre has been so opened up to all this different creativity last one pizza i love pizza I generally eat very healthy, and I actually eat vegan when I'm at home. Oh, um, boy. So Watch pizza out. is a... I'm Italian, um, so pizza is a real treat for me, especially in Italy. Um, there's nothing like a really good slice of pizza. Well, since you're... Uh, I got to hook you up with our friends over at Hardcore Italians. Do you follow that Instagram page? I've seen that page. Okay, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll shoot you... A, I'll get you guys connected. But uh, I did a shout out for them with a uh, mug, and it said, "What does it say on the mug?" I've uh, been through some. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, my next merch. <laughs> oh, oh, it's what does it say? It's and I drink out of it like almost every morning. Um, it's got an Italian flag, and it says something about like uh, I'm not yelling; I'm just talking. I'm Italian or something like that. Yes. And it's just like you know. Yes. That's my husband's family. They're very traditional Italian, and they're just always screaming. 
<laughs> but they're not screaming. If you ask them, they're not screaming. Right. I, right. I always knew I was Italian, but I, I actually took a DNA test recently because I was just curious about what actually I was. So I was right. I'm still 60% Italian, but I'm also Puerto Rican, which I never knew. Um, and a bunch of like like very weird things I, I wasn't expecting. So it was pretty Ellen. cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some point. You yeah. Know, we don't know where, but. Yeah. Like a little Greek, I didn't know. A little Middle Eastern. Kind of very weird mix. So I ask everybody this question at the end. And uh, by the way, thank you so much. Thank you. This was out. so much fun. It really was. We'll uh, let you get back to heckling the band. Okay. the studio <laughs> after this one. But um, if you could go back in time to your 15-year-old self knowing what you know now? What would you tell her? That makes me cry. Um, I actually thought about that the other day when I was watching Richard Marks perform from backstage. I literally thought, when I started just tearing up, you know, and I said to myself, man, if I could go back and tell that little five-year-old girl that I thought I was six, but he said that it was his paid vacation tour, which was 94. So maybe I was even four. Um, if I, I thought in my head, if I could go back and tell that little girl that, that, you know, was so excited that he waved to you in that stand with all those thousands of people that you would be touring in 11 countries, have two hit singles on radio and be standing right next to him, playing with him. And he got me on that gig himself, actually. I wasn't asked by the venue. Um, I said, like, what would I would have, what would I have thought? Like, I never would have believed it. And I always believed in myself, but it's such a hard road that sometimes you have so many moments of doubt, you know? Yeah. Yep. And um, I think I would tell my younger self, keep going. Like, things beyond your wildest dreams will happen if you just keep believing. I have nothing to add. Do you have any last words? I've been through some stuff. <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, <laughs> two hours. Like, two hours. I've done like a five-hour sound check. All the input. Five-hour sound check. All the inputs check. being wrong. Um, equipment malfunctioning. Jeez. We, uh, one time we did an entire sound check where they were afraid to tell us the system was blown. So we're checking. I still can't hear myself in this monitor. I still, no, it's in there, it's in there. I cannot hear anything in here. No, 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 no. And then after a four hour sound check, my dad got out there and so like, listen, what's going on? We're, we can't waste any more time. Four hours. The whole system was blown. We actually wound up sitting on the edge of the stage with our acoustic guitars after the four hour sound check because none of their equipment was functioning. I've been through some stuff. <laughs> I've been through be some stuff. <laughs> we have to adopt that. That's going to be That's our a good thing. One. <laughs> so you're all over the internet. Um, I'll throw some links and, and you send me some things for the description box and yeah. we'll put them in there. Yeah, and my website is jessicalinmusic.org. That's like the best way. It's linked to all my social channels Spotify, and YouTube, iTunes, all of them. Yeah. We're all there. And be careful of the fake pages, everybody. If I'm telling you that I'm in love with you and I need $3,000 in a suitcase, <laughs> it is not me. Okay? I do not need you to drop a suitcase off anywhere or go to Walmart transfer to send me some money. 
<laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> we survived. The yeah. prednisone has sustained me. <laughs> We're prednisone buddies. We're type A buddies. Like, and, and oh been through God. some stuff. We've been buddy. through some stuff, man. <laughs> and and look, <clears throat> nobody's here now. I know. We didn't get we hit by the everyone. FedEx tru- truck. We lived. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you for having me. This was so a much. good time. You guys know what to do. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. <laughs> that was great. Woo!